Welcome to E20, your unofficial EastEnders podcast. I'm a scheming little madam, just like Sharon. Emma. And I'm the poison sandwich to Emma's toxic carbonara. Connor, so what we got coming up this week, Emma? This week we have your usual roundup, your hero in slapping Dan, and we play a game called Pick Your Poison. But first, here's the jingle. You ain't my mother! Yes, I am! My boy, Blimey. Mr. Butcher. 57 was my nan. 57 was everyone else. One minute we'll be looking at each other. The next, rubbing each other's clothes off. Mother always said I could be a star. Hope you enjoyed the fireworks. Good night. So it's a new week. It's Monday. The birds are singing. The sun is shining. And naturally on the square, that means only one thing. Billy's moping around and Jane and Honey are being very awkward because of their weird, inappropriate relationship. <laughs> Welcome to me, standards. <laughs> yeah, it was like, as soon as um, he saw them say hello to each other, that was it. He was like, right, that, no, I'm not, I'm not having this. No, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> don't need your help, Jay. I don't need a job with you or off you. I don't need any help at all. But you've just said hello to my ex that I cheated on. Did I miss something? When did Billy become unemployed? That's what I wrote here. Thank <laughs> <laughs> God. I was like, I remember us discussing it a long time ago, yes, whether he did. still worked at certain places. Because we were like, he worked at Ruby's. Yes. I love it because this is just like a carbon copy of the conversation we had pre-lockdown. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he worked at Ruby's. When did he stop working there? Like, I know Martin's the security guard slash bar person slash everything now. And Vinny... Maybe Martin fired him. <laughs> Vinny seems to be there all, all of a sudden. And Dottie, well, what are their credentials? Yeah, none. And At least Billy's ran a bar before. <laughs> yeah, and like, Billy, when, when did he leave? When did he get sacked? We don't know. And why can't he work at the funeral parlour? I understand they had that whole big thing, like, years ago, and that's why he had to leave. But surely... Sure, he could go back now. I mean, come on. There's Has anyone really Stuart and really at that moment? <laughs> like, I feel like Pam and Les are very forgiving human beings and they would allow him back. Well, I think Pam and Les just let anyone in anyway, so they uh-huh. might as well. Just have Billy pretend to be someone else. Oh, yeah, just give him a new name. Yeah, just be like, I'm Will Mitchell. <laughs> just come in with his son's ID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know I look much younger in this picture. It's I've had a rough life. Had a rough life. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing when he said that he was looking for a job I wrote down was the same as you. I was like, when did Billy become unemployed? Literally, it's never been a storyline that Billy was unemployed at all. All this time, all this time, there's never been a single storyline or mention of him being unemployed. Suddenly, Karen dumps him and he's unemployed. <laughs> How has that happened? Was she employing him as like a gigolo or something? You know? <laughs> Well, you know, since since it dried up, since the work's dried up, Carol was my only customer, really. <laughs> I was just like, what? why was it not a problem before this moment? Weird, weird. And Jay is, Jay is the patron saint of employment, apparently. He can just hire anyone. But Billy doesn't want hired by Jay. Not after he sees him. Looking, looking at his ex-wife. Who he didn't really like anymore anyway, but you know, now he's been dubbed to Kendall like so again. <laughs> Locking her way. Shocking. 
<laughs> I think the thing is, like with Billy, like when you see other couples on the square where it may not seem right that they're together, like we'll take Stacy, for example. She mm. seems to be, she still talks to Martin. She's she's handling it pretty well. Look, she invited Ruby around for Christmas dinner. Billy is literally throwing his toys out the pram, even though he cheated on Honey. He then went with Karen when Honey was wanting to get back with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I still, I'm not a fan of Honey and Jay. That still seems odd to me. Yeah, yeah, it's still disgusting, but we we dislike it for a different reason. Billy has not got any sort of moral standing here. Yeah, like Billy's claiming Honey. I think that's what's different. It's not like when anyone else splits up the claim, the person, like he's like, like he sets boundaries like I don't want you talking to her like he can't do that yeah exactly it's not up to him to say that also considering he's not employed really should he be the one given any sort of like you know ultimatums on who can stay in that house as well because originally he wasn't going to let Jay stay in that house it's like well without Jay's payslip you're going <laughs> to struggle on you exactly <laughs> let's not be be- uh, choosy beggars come on come on <laughs> if Jay's paying his way you've got to let him sleep with honey <laughs> <laughs> no it's absolutely disgusting i don't i don't agree with it but um i just i agree with emma i think it, it it's just revolting isn't it like the way that he treats honey at the minute like i've always thought billy was a bit of a clown and i've always had like issues with not liking the character anyway but this storyline it's made him like almost misogynistic well you brought up a good point last time we talked about this storyline you said that um it's like once he's finished with like Karen or even anyone else, mm. he would then just go back to Honey because he thinks, oh well, she'll have us now. That's how he yeah. treats her. So it is. It, it's it's just very weird that he thinks he's got this hold over Honey. He's got no respect for her. He doesn't see her as like an equal human being with like her own mind or anything like that. Like because he just presumes she'll just feel the same way as him. Um, the minute that as if he's like some massive catch. I mean, I'm not being funny. It's Billy Mitchell. So to think that she's just waiting around for you, Billy, is outrageous. It's outrageous and deluded. Like, there's no way. What does Billy have it's to like, offer, honey? It's like he believes she has this calendar and she marks <laughs> off the days until Billy goes back. Like, that doesn't yeah, until, happen, Billy. Until he divorces or splits yeah. up. <laughs> I'm waiting so for you. <laughs> Day 118. Billy's still with Karen. Like, <laughs> I the just, diaries I, of honey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just look at Billy and I just think, you are ruining yourself and any potential friendship or relationship with honey because, Billy, you haven't earned her love. You have not been there for her for a very long time. You split up originally because you constantly lied, you cheated, you stole money like from a charity, like all these different things like culminated in your separation, your splitting up. You then have the opportunity to get back together, but you turned her down for Karen. You also weren't there for her when she was really struggling with her eating disorder. I actually kind of blamed her. And then when she was nearly sexually assaulted, the first thing you did was go to attack the man, which wasn't what she wanted. She just wanted support I don't understand how he thinks he's earned anything. You have to earn Honey's love. You can't just have her. She's not a flipping toy with purchase or something, like gift with purchase. You can't just say, well, I brought home wine today. 
So let's go to bed. Do you know what I mean? You don't just like, it's not like an exchange. It's weird. He's, it's like he's split up with someone. So he thinks automatically I get honey. Mm. It, it is. It's like he's, he's got like, he, own, he owns her when he's ready. You yeah. go back and like she yeah. must be ready. It's, it's a strange power dynamic he's got. I don't like it. I wonder if it's also an age thing because Honey talks about herself. Billy's much, much older than her. Mm. And I wonder if maybe that also plays into this weird power dynamic, like you're saying. There's a strange, there's le- levels of misogyny in Billy's character at the minute that I don't like. Like the idea that Honey is just some object waiting around for him that he can just take off the shelf when he feels like. It's weird. Like, I totally get you would be annoyed that the Ooh. guy, that the, the boy that he raised, is now getting with his ex-wife. Absolutely. Like, I totally understand that. Like, you would you would not be happy. Um, yeah. But the way he treats Honey is just like, it, it's so childish. That's what it is. It's like playground level ownership. Well, I gave you a promise ring three years ago, <laughs> so now you have to be married to me for the rest of my life. Like, it is like that, isn't it? Well, you know, you kissed me three Three or four years ago, so now we're going to have children and get married, have a white picket fence in a house. I understand being annoyed. I understand him not, like, being revolted by the the idea, like we are, of Jay, who was practically, like, mothered by Honey at one point, getting with Honey. That's revolting. So I would understand if that was his feelings. But it's not. His worry, his concern is not that it's Jay, it's not that it's um, wrong because of the weird relationship that they had prior, it's that it's Honey having a relationship mm-hmm. that's not with him. That is the only thing moving his disdain and dislike. So Jay goes and sees Rainey and Stuart and finds out Rainey's been um, clearing houses. Uh, <laughs> it's a nice little side job. Yeah, so, I just love that. <laughs> guess, uh... Just they go through dead people's things. <laughs> She's like, ooh, I like this one. Um, <laughs> Jay pretends to be absolutely furious, but he's got a plan. Billy needs a job. He can do that. But remember, Billy's not Billy's not doing it. He's too angry. He's too angry until Will decides. Or should I say Denny? Will is Denny these days, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he's morphed into him. I mean, he has worn his clothes and everything. <laughs> you have to remember that. <laughs> can I just say, love that Will was like, yes, Billy, Yes, Dad, you have to get that stall because I can help out on it. Really, we all know why he wants to help out on a stall that's profits come from selling dead people's <laughs> things. We all know why Will wants to help out there. And it isn't because it's like a nice thing to do. It's not because it's a job. It's because then he can go through all of the belongings and pick what he wants. That's what it is. And it's that. just like the Denny moment. I bet he took the stuff from, all the stuff from Denny and he's kept the bits he likes and the bits he didn't like he's going to put on that stall. Yeah, yeah, he will. Be like, well, I couldn't really fit into this shirt. So, uh, yeah, you go, Dad. But the clothes I'm wearing today, I got this from one of these clearances. You want to look like me too? Well, come to my stall at 12 o'clock today for all your best bargains. <laughs> Denny's dead clothes. Come have a look. Like, it's just so funny. I love that it was Will. Will who convinced him to sell dead people's things. Perfect. <laughs> it just tied in so beautifully with, well, um, some of Denny's stuff's up there. Okay. Can I yeah, go he was get so them? excited. Do you remember? He was like, Really? I can have anything that I want from upstairs. Well, he's not going to use it now. Thanks, Auntie Sharon. 
Like ran upstairs, didn't he? <laughs> Came down just as Denny. He was Denny. <laughs> just oh, it was so funny. I just love that moment. Will was really cut up about Denny's death. Was he though? Just want to be, just want to be close to him. <laughs> just want to be close to him. He just had to wear his clothes and his skin. <laughs> It was like, oh, was he really upset? Because he seems quite thrilled to have the games. That I has got a few games up there. If you want, yes. Do you hear that, Dad? I can have any of his games. It was. Like... I am not spreading any rumors, but we've been blaming Phil. We've been blaming Keanu. We've been blaming Ian. We've been blaming everyone. Really, someone's had a blame with that yeah. boat crash. But do you think it was Will all along? I actually, I actually think it is. Do you know what I think happened? I think Will distracted the captain, right? Which allowed Phil to go up there with Keanu and start firing his gun off and stuff. I think Will knew exactly what he was doing. I think even prior to that, he sabotaged that door lock so it couldn't open again. I think he's been been doing all this because he's like, I really want to get that feet, my hands on that FIFA game. <laughs> that uh, that cousin Denny's got. I really want that, uh, you know, Resident Evil Seven that he's got. He's been playing on. I really want that. And if I if I try my hardest, I'll get that full Xbox. That'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to get that Xbox. <laughs> I think all the Mitchells should be watching closely because really, Will will be in there. Will's eventually, like he just needs to knock off a few of them and inherit. So I'm not putting it past him, Emma. He's already got one Mitchell down. <laughs> got to watch out for that will. He was staring across the road, looking at Raymond, just thinking, if only he had an accident. <laughs> <laughs> then I'd be the sole male heir. <laughs> <laughs> to the throne. <laughs> yeah, he is like that, isn't he? He's like, Ben, ben gets axed off. <laughs> then Raymond, then, then Louise and that. Anyone who could stand in the way of him inheriting Phil's fortunes. <laughs> Tell me again, Uncle Phil, how everything went wrong and all your kids died. <laughs> <laughs> While he's like, I make a nice cuppa, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you like me cuppa? Just made it myself. Oh, Here's a sandwich. Fancy a carbonara later, Uncle Phil. <laughs> <laughs> just goes around hand and sandwiches out to all of the Mitchells filled with pills <laughs> he will have all of their things <laughs> I'm actually living for inheritance killer will so back on, on track as you know we always go off track we do we love a good off track Billy's listened to Will's words and well you know what it sounds like a good idea however he doesn't want this, he doesn't want Jane, honey, anywhere near each other. So, Jay says, don't worry, it meant nothing. And, well, she's old enough to be me ma'am. I'm sorry, like, if there's one thing you don't say when you're sexually attracted, <laughs> it is anything to do with reminding you of your mother or your father or anything like that. Yeah, it just makes it even worse. It's like no one, no one's on board with this ship. I'm sorry. There's other people on the square I could see them with, or even newcomers, but not each other. I'm sorry, no. I'm not on board. Well, someone suggested that Whitney might get with Jay. I uh, thought Whitney and Jay, point. yeah. And actually, 
I'm here for that. They would both be so good for each other. I would like they that. They would. Yeah, and Jay would be... He would look out Jay for Jay would be the right person for, for yeah. Whitney. Non-problematic and, and caring. Because I love Cush, but Whitney and Cush is clearly going nowhere. And also, he was just going out with Kat. So, like... I'm oh, not, yeah, that's wrong as well. Yeah, we're not on board with that. But Whitney and Jay, yeah. Billy Stoll is... Well, it's a hit, isn't it, Emma? He's selling all the best things. Bedpans and all that dead people things. Who's Just the... what you really want, isn't it? Who's going to want a bedpan? Yeah, who's going to use that? Like, honestly. And can we just oh. say it's also a used bedpan? Oh. Exactly. Sonia comes over, she's like, yeah, I've been wanting one of these for years. <laughs> like, who's going to come over and get this bedpan? <laughs> I think you're stuck with like... that one, Billy. Yeah, Whitney's just like, well, did I ever tell you? I've always been an avid collector of used bedpans. Like, who's... That's a very eclectic item, isn't it? How good would that have been, though, when Kush was up there? He could have done with the bedpan. There you go. Or maybe that's what who's going to buy it then. He'd be like, well, just in case I have to go and hide again, I'll buy the bedpan off you. Imagine he hands it down, like, every day to, to Whitney. Whitney, here's today's load. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the romance. Oh, how romantic. <laughs> it's disgusting. Who wants a bedpan? Do you know, I'm just saying this. I'm, if Honestly, I swear my grandma would be one of those people who would look at that and not know what it is and, like, bring it home, put flowers in it. I was going to say, I bet like, you someone uses it as a vase. Yeah, or, like, a fruit bowl. Or a fruit like, bowl. You go to the Go to the Just, like... I've just got the cheese like I've just got this wonderful fruit bowl. Uh, it's so nice. <laughs> imagine picking an apple out of that. Uh. <laughs> You're like, supposed to be funny. <laughs> but she assures him, don't give up just yet. Why did Billy look like he was on Oliver? Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> all right governors ladies come on come have a butchers come have a butchers i was like jesus he just suddenly swallowed like a like a cockney dictionary <laughs> roll he, up roll up he's got the hat and everything on i was like eat the flat cat <laughs> the picky mitchells picky mitchells <laughs> and whilst billy is off selling his wares and his used bedpans Jay and Honey decide to have a heart-to-heart. Well, they basically decide that they still love each other, they still want to be with each other, and that what they have is special and that they need to try another kiss. Oh, that was so cheesy. I wrote it down because it was, like, straight out of our (laughs) our fanfic. (laughs) Remember in the fanfic, I was, like, I was on death's door, wasn't I? I was in the the hospital. I was in the hospital bed because I'd just been in a terrible boat accident. Obviously totally recovered fine. the next day dead yeah. easily. He's standard. Yeah, standard. Um, <laughs> and, and Jay came in and held me hand. Do you remember? That was that was in the, the fan fiction because Lola had treated him like garbage. So, you know, kind of accurate. Um, not saying they stole any of our ideas and stuff, but 
inspired maybe. Maybe we inspired something. I mean, baby hags, Raymond. Yeah. This. Yeah, I'm definitely thinking it. I'm sure there's a couple of us in there, but (laughs) he says, maybe we should have another one. (laughs) It was so cheesy. And then, why did Lola have keys? Lola doesn't this moment. <laughs> the cat burglar known as Lola. She comes in and it's like slowly opening the door and shutting it. Why wouldn't you just be like, hi, it's only me. No one walks into a house like that, Lola. Why are you creeping around like a serial killer? Suspicious. Yeah, she's she no good. She wasn't meant to have those keys. That's what that was. Mm-hmm. That Maybe her and Will are in on it. Maybe they're trying to kill <gasps> off all Mitchells. Maybe. Yeah, well, that is why thinks... Lola wanted to come back. She wanted Phil's money. Yeah. Originally. Maybe. So there you go. I think we've solved it. We've solved it. I think it. we have. And that would make well, sense. That would make sense. Because Lola is related to Billy. She's his granddaughter. granddaughter. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that all works out. Exactly. That works exactly. out. It, it makes perfect sense. But with Lola creeping around, it allows her to overhear something, doesn't it, Emma? Because you see, the walls in Billy's house are not reinforced like Phil's, and any <laughs> slightest whisper can be heard. Slightest whisper can be heard. And Lola's not happy. This is disgusting. This is outrageous. Well, Lola, as Jay put it, you did cheat on him first and then ruined your relationship by almost cheating on him again. With someone else. Well, the week starts with Ikra's phone ringing. But who's on the other end? Well, it's dead funny you should say that, Emma, because I'm good friends with Ikra. And she said ever since this call came in, it was just playing up, she couldn't get it. But thankfully, thankfully, she gave us her phone and I managed to salvage it. I've got the message here. So I'm just going to play it back for, for us now. Oh, you've seen the videos and you're not impressed. And neither is Frankie. He's that guy again. He's on everyone now, Emma. This is outrageous now. Even poetic. Oh, there's another message. Oh, Habs is pregnant. <laughs> yes, Habiba is pregnant with Jax's baby. We predicted it. We did. We wrote it in our fan fiction. We did. We predicted this. <laughs> <laughs> so we head over to Icarus and when before before the scene started, all I could think about was how many photos are on the back wall that Miriam and Ashard put up. Why is Icarus never at one point took them down because she doesn't know anyone on that wall apart from Adam? And she didn't even like Adam. So out of all the photos, to be fair, you would take his down. Yeah, I do love that. Like, Is it like on that... Friends? Is there holes in the wall? And that's why they're up there to like, hide <laughs> the holes. <laughs> it is. Either that or she's one of those people who like, you know, when they get like a photo frame, and it's got like one of those stock pictures in. They just keep the, the yes. photo in it. Like Definitely. they buy it for the frame and they always have the intention they're going to put the photo in, but never do. Never do, yeah. Yeah. So now it's just decoration. So Ikra tells Ash the, the big news. Who goes and tells Suki? Hmm. Suki knew. 
Yes, you already knew. I do love it because Ikra literally treats it like it's the end of the world. Suki literally treats it like it's just war off a duck's back. She's just like, no skin off my nose. <laughs> She's like, I'm never going to see that kid. I'm not bothered. I love oh, it. It's so hot. It's got such a big heart, isn't she, Suki? Such a such big, a big heart. heart. Such a family woman. Yes, she loves that family. Loves that family. Cares for them deeply. So much social. Send her own son to jail. Well, they have a big argument about that. Suki blames that all on Ash, but Ash blames yes. it all on Suki. And I'm like, see, it was Suki's idea. So yes, she is to blame. But Ash, yes. you had the chance to help and decided not to and also said it was a, that you were fine with the idea. So you are also to blame. The whole family, apart from poor Jags, is to blame. Yeah, they all are toxic. Apart from, I feel like Karat is like slightly more blame free because like, Although he knew about it, he didn't participate in, like, framing his brother and, like, manipulating his brother to go down. Yeah. Ash literally went to prison and kind of, like, told him to go down. Yeah. It was terrible. And, like, I love it because then Ash goes, you really are a heartless bish. Bish. I'm saying SH, not the other <laughs> word. And um, Suki, in Suki fashion, you know, she knows exactly how to reply as a mother. Slaps her in the face really hard. <laughs> and oh, then, motherly love. I know, I love it. So motherly. And in fact, her motherly instinct goes even further than that, doesn't Emma? She doesn't care about Jags' baby, but she cares about Ash's kids. The kids she'll have one day. Because she can't wait to tell them all about how wicked and evil and horrible her, their mother is. Lovely. So Ash hates our family again. <laughs> We're back to hating Suki, hating the family. She flees, she runs away crying. So she heads back over to see Ikra and she has some news. She's been a very bad girlfriend. Terrible. She's been terrible. No, no, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, we've all been saying that for weeks now, Ash. You, you know when she says that, you would think the way, just the way she said it, it might be something really small, like... I'm so sorry. I know you told me to take the bins out. Because, <laughs> you know, bins are a big thing over there. They are. In Albert Square, thing. the bins. It's a big storyline. Think about the vermin, Emma. Think about the vermin and the disease. If they don't get taken out. Fortnightly bin collections, Connor. Fortnightly bin collections. Who wants a return of the bin saga? <laughs> I sort of do. <laughs> I know. Not short at though, obviously. We don't want, like, months of that. <laughs> So she's, she comes in, bad girlfriend, you think, oh, it's because she hasn't took the bins out. I'm so sorry, that means we've got to wait a fortnight, Dick I'm so sorry. Oh, God. But no, no. Um, so, yeah, um, she explains the whole thing. Habiba was right. Jags is innocent. And Ick was like, so is it just your family in on it? In on it? Oh, and I did love this bit, though. Ash threw Ruby straight under that bus. She was like, no, Ruby knows. And Martin doesn't. I was like, come on, Ikra, do something with that information. I know, I'm hoping she does use that. Because that is such... I wonder if she's like literally going to like shout at Ruby or something at some point and Martin will hear her. Because Ikra would have no reason to shout at Ruby unless what you heard was true yeah. or... Like, even off Ash, because then why would Ash care? You know? Yeah, well, exactly. I guess she would care because they're broke, but... <laughs> No one should, it's like the other brother was involved, then technically, why would Ash make that up to throw one under the bus? So that would be interesting. 
It would. I would so love that. But I love this whole moment because Ikra has sort of taken over the role of Habiba in a way of like being very airheady and very odd because Ikra was always the one who was like, you know, very clever, very eloquent and things like that. And her complaint is not that she's just been lied to. Her complaint is not that Jags has gone to jail. Her complaint is that Ash knew what this was doing to her. And she still left her to cope with being blocked by our own sister. I wrote that down too. <laughs> I wrote first world problems, love. Like literally, <laughs> who in this world goes, it's just terrible, you know, my life is so bad. I was blocked yesterday. <laughs> I loved it because she's like, I've been so stupid. And you even let me have my sister block me. Yeah, it was like that, wasn't it? It was like her beeper and her child could cope without Jax. Jax could cope without his son. I could. Oh, baby. I don't know why I said son. <laughs> well, <laughs> I could cope we've predicted with things. Me. We've predicted this correct. Maybe it is a son. There we go. Maybe it is. Maybe that was psychic ability there. <laughs> <laughs> and I could cope with my sister blocking me. I wish to say, okay, love, the other two were valid points, but this one probably isn't as valid. I love it because well, we're with you up until then. She blocked her on was it Instagram because she talked about it a few weeks ago, but she was clearly on the phone to her earlier. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And then Ash just makes that whole situation even better. If you think the blocking's good, well, Ash is going to pull a better one out of the out of the hat. Here we go. Ash suggests maybe they go away. Like, you know, maybe they could have a holiday and she'll just cut her family out again. She'll just do that. That'll sort everything. She'll just, they'll have a nice little holiday off the go. Go away for a bit. Everything will get sorted and she'll go back to hating her family and just cut them out again. Which obviously we know doesn't work because she'll just decide tomorrow to do something else. I mean, it's great in theory, like you say, Emma, but um, in practice... I don't really think it's going to help because the problem isn't the family. The problem is how easy it is for Ash to just lie to people and um, how easy it is for Ash to turn off her emotions for people because she's been lying to Ikra and Habiba, who lived with them for months. She saw what it was doing to Habiba, um, seeing that Jags was arrested for a crime he didn't commit. Didn't say a single thing. So empathy is clearly lacking there. There's definitely an issue there for Ash. Um, and maybe she is more like her mother than she wants to admit. This just comes back to like all the points that we've made previously about Ash. She's in denial of everything. Yeah. She lives in a fantasy world. She is a bit delusional. She doesn't see herself as similar to her family, you know, like they're crooked and shady ways. But really, I think she is perfectly fitting into that family. Also, I love the care and consideration she gives to Ikra in this moment. She's so, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I love you, and all this, and all the tears are coming out. None of that is sincere in any way, because where was that when she was, like, rolling her eyes and scoffing at Ikra for, like, weeks on end, when she was running around sniffing after Peter and Peter letting Peter flirt with her right in front of, like, Ikra's face and things? Where was that worry and compassion there? Ash is a duplicitous, conniving, Evil little person. I have come to that conclusion now. <laughs> and that's on how Connor sees it. 
Tune in next week when I rip apart Suki <laughs> and all her malpractice as a mother. Ash has nowhere to live now. She's been chucked out. Igra's not having her in that house anymore. Um, so obviously it's advised, why not come home? This is the same woman who just said she'll cut all of her family out. She hates them all. <laughs> oh, she's going to go. She's gonna... <laughs> yeah, she, she's got such such strong morals, doesn't she? <laughs> such strong convictions in her in her belief. Because like you say, Emma, now nah, they're all evil people. I didn't want my mum being here. She's heartless. She's evil. It's her fault. It's their fault. Well, she's cut all ties. Can I come stay with you? Because uh, as it turns out, I'm homeless. <laughs> She's nearly missed a PT session with Peter, which is, you know, ah! <laughs> I mean, that just sorted her right out, didn't it? She was heartbroken, hated her family to moving back in with her family and just trying on with Peter again. I mean, absolutely heartbroken, that girl. Yeah, devastated. Love her life. Devastated. No, I love it because we have not seen Peter do a PT no. session at all. And suddenly it's leg day and it's, you know, they had an appointment. When? <laughs> suddenly he's been doing it for ages. And yes. The, you know, this was leg day. He's got a gym and everything now. <laughs> <laughs> so, like he just knew where she would be as well. Just ran inside the cap like, ah, oh, she'll be here. <laughs> yeah, knew that she would just be cheating. She would be sitting there eating her food, not doing her leg day. Ash decides absolutely heartbroken, hates her family, gets ready at home, heads out for a night out with Peter, and poor Ikra's watching. She's thinking, she knows. She's like, yeah. mm, I'm on to you. I just feel so sorry for Ikra, though. She has done nothing wrong. Nothing. And she has lost everything. Yeah. All because of this nasty piece of work. And poor Ikra's sat at home, deleting all of the pictures of her Nash. Yeah. I mean, we all do that, don't we? We all go, let's erase that person from our memories and destroy any evidence that they ever existed. <laughs> Took all them pictures on the bonfire. Yeah. Anything yeah. that belonged yeah. to that human, I yeah. want gone. Yeah. Get that in You're the bin. Block them on every yeah. single thing. Block all their friends and family. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case they're spying on you too. <laughs> Just in case, you never know. <laughs> so... She picks up that phone and after seeing Ash and Peter together, that's gave her some ammunition, hasn't it? I feel like she's plotting. She gives Habiba a call and she says, you were right. Jags is innocent and she should have ended the call with free the Jaguar. I know. I was like, come on, we need to get more free the Jaguar out there. <laughs> Going to get those t-shirts for her later. I think we need them now, yeah. Emma. More than ever. Do. Every day he's shuffling. It's Ian Beale. Or as we like to call him, Ian Shambles. Because he just shuffles around, shambles around. He's always creeping around the Vicks, like up apart. And he's like, Sharon. Sharon! I was like, Jesus, it's the Aussie Osborne impressions again. But Sharon's not there, man. But don't you worry. She wouldn't leave Ian without anything. She wouldn't just run out on him. So she's left him a nice cuppa and a sandwich. Now, would you not find it really suspicious if someone left you 
a sandwich and had eat me next to it, I'd be like, <laughs> it's a bit like the, the buttons, like, don't press. It's a bit yeah, like that. <laughs> it is. It's like, it's screaming out. There's something wrong with this sandwich. You just open it. It's just full of like pins and needles and stuff. <laughs> just lift up the bread like that. <laughs> Literally, it was the most unsubtle way to try and poison someone. Please eat this sandwich, Ian. <laughs> if you're not Ian, please do not eat this sandwich. Like, she might as well have wrote that on there as well. This has poison in, so this is only for Ian. <laughs> Back off. <laughs> but then what's great is Ian's obviously thinking about what Max told him. So he's nervous, rightly, about the sandwich. His breakfast left by Sharon. So he dumps it in the bin. Bit ungrateful, if you ask me. But, you know, that, I'll not go down that road. Bit ungrateful. Kathy is to the rescue, though. Because Ian, in starvation and, again, delirium and shambling round the square, he suddenly has a voice. Ian! Ian! <laughs> and he looks, and there he beheld her, his mother. No. It was like the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> Ian is ill. She literally says, Ian... Anyone can see you're not well. So why have you took him into the cafe? Oh, yeah. But, yeah, instead of getting him help, she's made him a lovely sandwich. <laughs> it was like a week of people trying to get Ian to eat a sandwich. <laughs> that was the real storyline. Well, that was Ian the real storyline. He's, he's afraid of sliced bread. <laughs> 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 they're all trying to like help him out oh maybe at the end of it he has to pick his favorite sandwich and whoever he picks oh my god yeah wins the grand prize i love this whole sandwich drama because he also just need kathy's so it's like he also suspects <laughs> kathy poisoning him but then kathy's like i want you to come home and i don't have to look after you sharon doesn't kathy kathy Look at the age of your son. Yes, he's ill. And in any other situation, it would be very odd for a mother of your age to be asking for the son to come move back in with her. So I can understand that in this situation, you're just concerned because he's ill, but it is still weird. Ben, speaking of Ian and the sandwiches. Oh, I know. I, I lost it at this <laughs> the point. The next scene is Ian making a sandwich at the restaurant. How many sandwiches, can I just say, has he wasted this day? Ian's, like, constantly making sandwiches, getting sandwiches given to him. It's like the sandwich saga. <laughs> what next? Max does a sandwich for him. Like, it was just weird. The doctor and the, the guy in the doctor's hands him a sandwich as his medication. It was like they were all trying to say, please eat the sandwich, Ian. The bread won't hurt you, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> it's just to try and get him to, to, to go out of his comfort zone to try sliced bread <laughs> try something new Ian Ian's never had bread before nah even just the sight of it made him running in the opposite direction <laughs> but Max being always loving and caring of Ian always worried for his best friend and secret lover decides Ian needs to get help. As Ian goes to the doctors with Max, 
which is weird as well. Yeah. It's just, yeah, like <laughs> Max is just in the corner, not a relative. The doctor's like, didn't I see you here with a woman yesterday? Is this your partner? Like, who is this? <laughs> it's even bad, doesn't it? Because Kathy goes to the Vic with food. I am literally in a state of shock. Kathy comes in because she's, you know, she is Ian's mom. I mean, yeah, Kathy, but you're like in your 70s and Ian's in his 50s. I don't know that you still have that level of like parental responsibility at that time. And she comes in, she's like, oh, Sharon, he's not well. I've brought him some sandwiches. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> the sandwiches, man. How much bread can one man eat? It's like Nancy. She can have seven of them pies. <laughs> you can have... 12 of those sandwiches. <laughs> it's just weird, isn't it? And she's got like a huge bag as well with her. So I'm like, well, how many sandwiches are in there? It's not one, is it? How bloated would you be after all that bread? <laughs> yes, yeah, it's not well. So I'm going to force feed him all of this food. Well, that'll make him feel better. It's like, you know, when you go and feed the ducks, you feed yeah. an Ian. Come on, Ian. Yeah, and, then you, and then you're told not to feed them bread, on you now? Because it, it bloats yeah. them out. It's not good for them. Maybe it's the same for Ian. Maybe he's like, no, please, <laughs> no more bread. Bloats us. <laughs> I love it because, like, Kathy instantly goes from caring of Ian. And I love Sharon is so, like, not subtle about wanting him dead either. Like, it's just like, she's like, I'm sure I could look after him. That's what a wife's for, smiles menacingly. Like... Kathy then just unleashes, doesn't she? She just starts like shouting a ball at him. She's like, Sharon, he's dying, he's ill. It's like, okay, okay, Kathy, we get, like, you are making a bit of a scene now, like, a bit of a scene. Um, and Sharon's just kind of just stood there. She's like, if you ever cared about him, if you ever cared about him, then get him to get help. And it's like, yeah, but she can't, can she, really? There's, like, clearly there is the part of Sharon that's, like, like, doesn't want to kill him and stuff. Mm. But, like, there is also the other part that's been poisoning him for quite some time. So if she <laughs> took him to the and was like, get a blood test, the doctor would be back. Oh, yeah, you're being poisoned by your wife? She can't exactly do that, can she, Kathy? <laughs> and then she looks at two photos, one of which is not Denny. No, and I love that. She, has... she looks to not Danny for inspiration. <laughs> she has this um, moment where she realises she knows what he's done, but he's still Kathy's son. A little rhyme there for everyone. Yeah. Just, just remember that. No matter what he's done, he's still Kathy's son. Get them on inspirational cards and all sorts. Get them up in your house. And, uh, well, she calls it off. And Phil's not happy because he killed their boy. Ah, Phil, you definitely had a part in it, though, didn't you? I know Ian's yeah. kept quiet, and that's probably their main thing, that Ian's just been keeping it secret for the entire time. Yeah, and I also think it's because Ian physically locked Denny in yeah. that room. In in their world, they don't know when Ian locked Denny in the room. I guess they probably... Yeah. They, they don't, don't realise it he... was beforehand. They probably yeah. think, well, the waves came a-crashing, <laughs> and Ian locked him in the room. Ian just dragged him into that room, threw him in. <laughs> You're not going anywhere, Sonny Jim. Just slammed the door shut. <laughs> it is it is like because they don't know. They don't know when things happen. I think Ian not 
coming forward about anything at all either probably doesn't help that situation when they've heard the voicemail they've not went mm-hmm. and thought like the way he's done it they've automatically yeah. thought well the fact he's keeping it secret he must have done something really bad here but yeah he must have murdered the, yeah murdered death. but why why would ian do <laughs> yeah that? It, it's very complicated. It's very confusing, but that's his sentence. <laughs> I do just love it because Denny definitely threw Ian under the bus in that little voice clip. He's like, Mum, Ian's locked me in a room with this water. I can't get out. <laughs> Denny knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing, the little rascal. <laughs> I love it because, yeah, when Denny sent that message, he's not thought, like, what's going to happen, obviously. Um, and he's just went, yeah. Like, the way he said it, like, yeah, Ian's done this while it's happening. He's not, like, when... Yeah, it makes it sound like what you said. Like, he's just dragged him in as the water's rushing in. It just slammed the door shut. (laughs) You're never getting out of here again. (laughs) Phil's decided. Phil's decided now that... Because the plan's back on. Sharon's had enough persuasion from him to decide, yeah, we're going to do this thing. But she wants it to be quick. So yeah, Phil... she doesn't want to be painful and slow. No. That's nice. <laughs> What's it done? That's o- nice. <laughs> over and done with, doesn't it? It's, over and done it's like all those people who are like, yeah, it's it's it, capital punishment's fine. Capital pun- it's, it's fast. It's nice and fast. That's what she's like, isn't she? She's like, it'll be just one little injection. That'll be it. So Phil decides, for all this time, he can get something that would do it much quicker and it's much stronger. He'll be dead within seconds. I mean... We, we know, by the way, Ian shuffled off. That definitely wasn't that quick. <laughs> yeah. I am so confused. Also, what kind of poison is, like, non-detectable as well if it's that fast acting? What were the plan on doing? Just shipping Ian's body to, like, you know, I don't know, Ghana or something. Like, what were they going to do with his body afterwards? Because clearly someone would find him. Sharon would claim that it was suicide. They would do a toxicology and be like, well, it's dead interesting. The last meal he had was carbonara. And the sources laced with cyanide. <laughs> I love the way Phil put the poison under a five pound note. Five pound for an orange juice as well. Absolute outrageous. Outrageous. I know times are hard, but flipping heck. That's that's and you see that it was in a glass like this? Yes, with a, a small tiny one. glass. Yes, scandal that Emma. I know. I would like robbery. Wouldn't be having that. Loving London prices. I know. Shocking. I loved it. He put the poison under it. And yeah. Sharon just picked it up and like threw it in the air pretty much. Yeah, I was showed like, showed it off. When look at this bad boy and then put it in her pocket. That is pretty much what you've done. <laughs> but it'd be a good night tonight, Ian. <laughs> Ian, you're going to have some fun tonight. <laughs> well, I just adore that this whole episode, right? Ian, Ian knows that something's not right with Sharon now at this point. He knows that he's been feeling ill because of her, I think. I think he senses that now. And don't worry, though. All those worries, all those concerns, they go out the window as soon as Sharon offers him her carbonara. And some late-night action. I mean, it's just like, Ian. I feel like I'm Cathy. Ian! (laughs) Get him a sandwich. Yeah, I'll get him a sandwich, right, Emma? Prepare a sandwich from. Like, where's Ian's head? He's like, well, she could be poisonous, but then if I confront that issue, then I might not be able to sleep with her. 
Ian, I think you'd prefer to be alive, wouldn't you? Be hard to sleep without you choking. And then he even sees that, well, she gets Denny's box out and it has his phone in. Which... Want to be careful about Will with that? <laughs> Want to be careful because Will have that phone as well. Surprise, Will hasn't found the box, if I'm Is honest. Hey, look, Sharon said I could have this. <laughs> Now, my my question here is, so did they go back in the water for that phone and how does it work? Because I'm assuming it was at the bottom of the Thames. Who went in and went, you know what, that phone's going to be really important. I'll go, I'll go back in for it, don't you worry. And how does it work? How is the voicemail still on? How is it that clear? I've said it every week since this phone reveal. There isn't enough rice in the world that could drain the water out of that phone that was at the bottom of the Thames you cannot convince me any other way that phone would be broken it'd be non-functional because then it also sat in the forensic labs and everything it went through vigorous testing there's no no way that would still be functioning no way you know whatever phone Denny uses whoever makes those phones should definitely put it in that advert like if this drops to the bottom of the ocean this survives. Like, that's the kind yeah. of phone I need. That's like an old Nokia, that one, isn't it? The advertisement would be like, um, you know, if someone's trying to lock you in a in a room and the water's flooding, you, you can leave a voice message for your loved ones on this phone. And even if the boat sinks, they'll still be able to play that back. That's what their advertisement should be. We should write for them. I think we should. Well, Ian has a bit of a panic, doesn't he? Because he does. He's like... Apparently, Denny loved a voice note, but don't worry, don't worry. The phone doesn't work. It doesn't work. She just likes to hold it. So Ian goes and just checks the phone and, well, it's very much working. Uh-oh. Oh. Well, let's not worry about those things. Let's just focus on the lovely meal Ian and Sharon are about to have. Sharon slaved away all day. She's popped her onions in. She's popped her creamy sauce in. She's sprinkled a bit of her cyanide in. She's... Well, we have always said we don't trust the carbonara. And look, I don't look trust at the this. carbonara. Look uh, at this. Proof. This is proof. Exactly. I know. Awful. Um, <laughs> Who has cream and like... Oh, no. Oh, pasta. It's just vile. Just vile. It looked um, like sick. It looked like they were eating sick. It is. That is exactly... And it smells like that. I don't oh. care what anyone says. The weird smell that comes off of that creamy sauce smells vomit-inducing. Ugh. Awful. It's awful. It makes us wretched thinking about it. It did have a special ingredient in it as well, this one. Maybe that Maybe that improved it. Maybe that improved it. <laughs> Only um, Ian's plate. <laughs> I love this little moment, though, because obviously Ian knows that she's poisoned something on the table. And so, like, every five minutes, they like, looking at what she touches and what she doesn't. Yeah. And it's like, she picks up the glass of wine. And he waits until she drinks first. <laughs> they have a, have a toaster pat. Yeah, they have a little toaster pat. Oh, there's so many mentions this week. There was Pat, Peggy, what? Pauline. So many mentions. It's great. And then he says, no, I'm not, not really feeling that hungry. I mean, you wouldn't, would you, if you knew there was something in <laughs> one of the foods? Especially um, when your blood tests come back and they're that concerning the doctor's like, uh, you need to ring me now. <laughs> call me now, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love the I love the bit the way you just went, is it poison, Sharon? <laughs> I love the bit where Sharon keeps going, dinner's getting cold. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I 
and she's just making cod's excuses like i've i've made this for you ian yeah i love it and then like he's eventually like is it poison <laughs> she's like no of course not hey he just rolls some up doesn't he, he goes well, you have some, <laughs> you know, for a split second, for a split second, I've wondered if she was going to eat some just to make him eat the rest. Yeah. And she, she goes, <laughs> see the scene off a figure of Dibley, you know, where she just, like, went and had all those dinners <laughs> and she's trying to shove the food, the last sprout into her mouth. In. That's what it was like. Sharon was like. Or it's Ugh. like when babies are being fed and they just don't want that last bit. Yeah. Keep like, <laughs> keep like dodging the spoon <laughs> and Ian's just watching her isn't he he's just watching her and watching her and then naturally Sharon drops the fork or the spoon or whatever it was that she was using and reveals it was poisoned not only that she knows everything everything that happened on that boat she knows that Ian's responsible for Danny's death and that he's lied about it all this time and Ian tries to tell her the correct series of events that he didn't obviously like, just trap Denny in as the boat was sinking. Um, but Sharon's not having any of it. She just plays the voicemail, doesn't she? Yeah. And then Ian, we said this last week. I said that Ian was enjoying the poison, that he liked a bit of that poison. <laughs> it's true. And, and really this did. week, he literally was like, well, can't hide it anymore either Sharon just starts wolfing the poison down <laughs> he just starts I do deserve to die and this is where this is where Sharon was was herself because yeah. she had that moment where she's like I, I can't do it no you can't do this Ian and she was like throw it up throw it up be safe I love that how quickly he vomited it up say it goes back to what we've been saying about carbonara it's rubbish yes <laughs> obviously lies lies heavy on that stomach if you can just go bleh it goes in as vomit and comes out as vomit. Exactly. I still wonder if that would be enough. Because the stuff that Phil gave That's her what was I said thought. to kill a Because he didn't seem to be sick that long. And I highly doubt that because he kept eating even it off the floor. Yeah, he ate like a huge super. It's like I said, he loved that poison. He was like, oh, lovely. Wrap that up on my spoon. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> what was the special ingredient? I love the special ingredient. What is this, Sharon? Mm. I love it as well. Just like your tea. (laughs) Whatever you put in these. (laughs) i tell you what I loved. Did you notice it also had garlic bread on the table? So more bread. More bread. I love that. (laughs) It's like he's actually on a bread diet. I love it because then Ian decides they can work this out. It's (laughs) fine. Sharon's like... I love it because Sharon's like, Ian... I've just tried to poison you. I've just tried to kill you, Ian. <laughs> they can work it out. They can work it out, Emma. I love when he says that. We can work it out. Ian, this is beyond desperate now. You're willing to stay with somebody who's poisoning you. So she goes over to Phil and she's like, if you want him dead, you have to do it yourself. So he runs over. Ian's gone very quickly for someone who's been shuffling everywhere. Yeah, I love that. He's like, literally shuffles off. It's like that old saying, isn't it? Slow and steady wins the race. You know, the tortoise. <laughs> he was the tortoise from that. He was. <laughs> Just toddling off. <laughs> well, to be fair, if any race starts now, Ian's probably near the finish line. So to be fair, he will win. 
I still can't ever forget that scene where he was literally wolfing the pasta down. <laughs> Carbonara's bad by itself, right? But to wolf it down off of the floor, like when it fall, when Sharon like knocks it off so that he can't have it, and he's like. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> into his mouth. It was disgusting. They made Ian do the most disgusting stuff the last like few the few weeks. It's so bad. I love when Phil goes, Ian. Oh, best bit ever. When like Ian, you know, shuffles off. He shuffles off. Tate drops his phone in the bed so no one can find him. And Phil's like on the prowlers. He's like looking round through and everything. <laughs> <laughs> you just get that scene where he just stands and like this like evil, evil, <laughs> maniacal character from like an epic sci-fi or adventure film and he just goes <laughs> Did you love how Phil stood outside watching the Vic the entire night as well? Love that. Best birthday present for him ever. Like his actual birthday party's going on in his house and instead he stood outside watching Ian die. Happy birthday to ya. Happy birthday. <laughs> it's Mick's birthday. Happy birthday, birthday to, to ya. Happy birthday. <laughs> and Linda has a plan. How about they go to Madame Tussauds? Love I that. Mean, fabulous. Is love there that a place? reason behind it? I mean, there was no reason. I loved, I loved that even more, but... It is a great place. It's lots of fun. I just was curious on why her immediate idea with Manchester. <laughs> was it was it that Mick has like a, a real want to go there, an interest to go there? Or is this just that she was like, do you know where I've always wanted to go? Madame to Swords. I think Let's it was. Today. I think it was like, I know Mick, Mick, it's your birthday and you know what I really want to do. I love it because Linda this week felt so, like, old Linda. I don't know how to describe it. Yes. All of her little bits and pieces, so like that, where she just clearly, she wanted to go to Madame Tussauds. A bit with Frankie, where she learned the sign language. It was just oh. all so Linda, and it was so, like, Linda was all about a family at the beginning. Yeah, it just felt, yeah. I don't know how to you describe it. You are right. It. It's, like, it's like the old Carters are back again. Yeah. I feel like we've got Mick and Linda back, and I'm so flipping glad, because... It was devastating when they were basically fracturing me and Emma have a, a place in our heart for the Carters. And we just couldn't bear to see them split up. I know we shipped lax for for a period of time, but we've come to our senses. We, we're, we're back. We're back on Melinda. I think it was because it was it was just new. It was exciting. It was new. It was exciting. We were 57. <laughs> and 57 was just on our Exactly. 50, 57 was everyone else. But don't worry. That moment, that moment's passed. Yes. We've come to our senses and we are going to put out an apology. We are. We are sorry. We are sorry for our outrageous, outrageous betrayal. We will never stray again from Melinda. I mean, we say that, but you you never know what ships ships are out there. <laughs> you know us, we love a ship, we love to sail. We love a ship, don't we? We're rapid sailors, yeah. We're like that woman who went around the world by herself. <laughs> we are sailing. sailing. With that out of the way, with political apology out the way, we return. 
to Mick's big day. And his friend, his best pal in the whole universe, who basically has suddenly just become friends with him again without any explanation, because I swear they never quite mended bridges yet. But <laughs> but we'll get to that. Connor, they only had their ups and downs. You know, <laughs> when you shoot yourself and then you frame your friend and send them to prison, it's just a bit of a rough patch. It's just some ups and downs. God. <laughs> yeah, I forget. I forget. My, sorry. My little cockroach. I forget all this. Thanks, stuff. my little rat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I just love all that, that dark history now. It's just completely on the back burner. Perfect. I mean, I'm glad because I love Stuart and Rainey, so I'm glad to see them interacting with Mick. But I'm also like, it's a little bit odd that this has just suddenly happened. But we'll go with the flow. We are not... We are not people to be so stuck on something that we can't get past it, are we, Emma? We we can flow. We can flow with the cool kids. <laughs> Me and you not get stuck on something? That doesn't sound, <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, movie doesn't count. Neither does Ash. <laughs> or Carol Jackson. Or Carol Jackson, that bitch Carol Jackson. <laughs> and Stuart being his best friend again. Decides he wants to make this birthday one of the most specialist days in Mick's entire existence. So naturally, the theme has to be Bugsy Malone. Mm. I was never a big Bugsy Malone fan. I have to be completely honest. Neither was I. Did you have to learn it in school? Yeah, you had to watch it. And then there was also a play about it as well. And I was just like... We had to learn all the songs and stuff. And now looking back, when you think of some of the... My name is Tallulah. I was like, it's a little bit odd because all all the film, all kids, they're all kids. That's like part of the gimmick that like they're all acting like adults, but are all children. And it was just very odd. Very (laughs) Very odd. odd. Hope I haven't offended everyone who's a Bugsy Malone fan out there. (laughs) Well, Stuart's going to... Tell Rainey all about his plans for a Bugsy Malone party. And Rainey has the same reaction that I think me and Emma both had, which was, <laughs> I have so many questions. I have so many questions. But then again, me and Emma also weren't copying her and pilfering loads of dead people's things and appraising them. So maybe she wasn't thinking the same as us. I don't know. <laughs> no, because I'm, I'm surprised Stuart didn't also have so many questions. <laughs> Yeah, he was very, very fine with just having all these dead people's things in their house. I'd be scared that I was haunted. So then Frankie's with Callum, isn't she? Um, because she's just been arrested again, but he's brought her around. She's been dead naughty again. God, she's always doing this, playing up. And Stuart walks in and says, he's planning Mick's birthday. And at that point, if I was Callum, I would have went, hang on, do you not remember what happened? But no, <laughs> we all just go with it now. And we just pretend that those dark times with Stuart didn't happen. He invites them round to the party. But Callum's like, oh, Phil's is going to be happening too. Oh, I wouldn't want to be in that position where you got to choose. Ooh. Yeah. It's a little bit awkward because like Frankie's really, really excited yeah, like to, to, to go. Like, really, really excited. Like, if I and was Stuart... Stuart, I would be confused as to why this girl I've never met is very, very excited. Yeah. She's like, really, I can come. Really? Mick said that that's all right. And it's like, yeah, it's a little bit unusual. And then we add her still is that she then goes up to Stuart and it's like, again, does Mick know I'm coming? I'm 
like I am still fired on a calm wave, a calm wave dark side. And she was be like, yeah, I'll be fine. But never at one moment questions why she's so like no obsessed. But then she starts and, asking some questions about Mick, and that's when he starts to answer them. That's why he says they've had their ups and downs. <laughs> Called a bit more than that. Come on, Stuart. Like, <laughs> come on. We weren't born yesterday. We were born in 1782, to be precise. And we could say it was a little bit more than ups and downs. It was like a flipping roller coaster without tracks. I mean, even had people in prison ready to beat Mick up. But, you know, just ups and downs. Just ups and downs. And then this started to pique my curiosity. Oh, it certainly piqued mine. Because they start discussing quite heavily, like Mick and Stuart's relationship, their friendship. Mm -hmm. Stuff about Mick's life. Why Why would they add that scene in if it didn't... I feel like the fact I just I don't want to be that like conspiratorial person that I always turn into, but mm, come on, I know. This... come on, is Stuart Frankie's dad? Like I feel like he is. There's so many things that would link that scene. It just felt like it didn't need to be there unless it was for a reason. Yes, and also this weird connection that she suddenly has with Stuart came out of nowhere. It would link at the Callum, who was the first person to see it. I feel like. There is a good, strong possibility mm. that Stuart could have also been abused by Katie. Like, for her mind, she, she would have just been pregnant and just pre- she could have just presumed it was Mick's. Yeah, yeah. But it could have been Stuart's. I don't know, maybe maybe I'm just reaching here, but I feel like something's going on with Frankie. Emma said this a long time ago on this podcast. You said this. You said something about, along the lines that, what if Frankie comes to the square thinking that it's Mick who's her dad, but it's actually... Um, Stuart, and that was long before the whole Katie stuff came out. Yeah, I, I, did I? I can't remember if I, when I said it. It was so long ago. I don't. Did it even make the edit? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I remember when it was when the trailer came out, and she was yeah, following. Was she was Ollie. following Mick and Ollie, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe she thinks Mick's her dad, and actually it's Stuart. And then I was thinking. Yeah. When she first came to the square and she that linked out to Callum, who was the first person to see her. That's when I had that. I think it was the first initial trailer. Yeah, I think that is when you, you had said something. So I think I think you could be right. This week has definitely made me think there's a strong possibility that Stuart's not only been a, a victim of Katie, but that he's also fathered Frankie later on. Frankie does threaten to get a DNA test. And I was like, I feel like that line there, it opens that possibility that there could be potentially a different father. Mm. But on from that, Frankie ends up annoying Stuart. Stuart storms off and she goes to see Mick, who then also loses his temper and basically tells her to do one, essentially. I loved her little scene with Ben. That was so emotional when she was like crying and she was like, I can't, I like, she couldn't tell him. And he was like, you don't have to tell me. You just have to to tell me what I can do to make you feel better. I love that little friendship. Their friendship is actually, why do I feel like her and Ben's friendship is like me and you? (laughs) Like, I'm like, yes. Like, this is like, this is what I'm wanting. I'm wanting them to be like the duo. Like, you know, take... (laughs) take the square by storm 
love it. They've got such a connection. And he is very sweet to her. Like, mm. he doesn't have to be. Like, come on, it's Ben Mitchell. Like, sometimes <laughs> he can be horrible. But he has a soft spot for Frankie, I think. And I think he also, I think he's, he likes that kind of sparkiness to her personality. And when he sees her, like, sad, it's really, like, hard for him. I think he thinks, you know, she's a strong person. So it's sad to say that. And she says she wants to just get away. So he's like, well, it's good that you've got that flight to Australia booked. So she decides she's going to go and she tells Mick that she's leaving. And it's not until Mick overhears Denise and Phil talking about Raymond. And like, Phil's like, I I should have a part in Raymond's life. I'm his dad. And Denise Mm -hmm. decides, yeah, actually, you do. Yeah, that was a nice, pleasant thing to add into the Carter situation. I know it's not relevant to the overall story arc for them, like not majorly, but like it was nice to also say Denise and Phil actually co-parent and like bury their madness a little because some of their stuff that they've been doing is a little bit mad just to just to say the least. Like so it's nice to see them accepting that actually a child needs both its parents. Um, and it it needs, you know, like a relationship that's going to be fulfilling and nurturing. And that's what triggers Mick. I think I think Mick goes, I've wasted all this time already. If she goes, I might never have a relationship with my daughter or potentially who I think is my daughter. So he's at the party, which no longer has any themes. Has Yes, no themes. Have no idea what happened <laughs> I literally watched that going, wait, wasn't this maybe a party? There was only three people there. Yeah, it has three a total of Stuart, Ben, and Linda there. Um... Yeah. <laughs> it's the same place they go to drink all the time. The I love it, though, because didn't Callum say, oh, well, I've got Phil's birthday. It turned out to be a completely different day that party was on. Yeah, no, I love <laughs> and that. And Ben that turned up. Ben turned, went. ben turned up to Mick's party, but not. Callum, I love that, Callum yeah. Didn't. Callum won't come because it's Phil's birthday. Callum's a really loyal son-in-law, isn't he? He's like, I really, really love Phil. He's lovely to me. Um, he's, he's better than my dad. I'm going to spoil him rotten today. <laughs> Take him out to Thorpe Park. <laughs> the Callum and Phil adventures. Yeah. Why is that something that we need to see? <laughs> I'd love to see it. That would be everything. And so... Ben tells Mick that Frankie's gone. That she's left. She's going to Australia and she's not coming back. Cue the chase. I love a good EastEnders run. <laughs> I loved when Frankie turned around and was like, how stupid are you shouting out after a death no. girl? <laughs> I love her. That was every- Why does she have the best lines? Oh, my God. They're like the greatest. She has such witty lines. It's so good. I love it because he's like, Frankie! To like some random woman going up the stairs. <laughs> and that woman's like, all right. <laughs> it's a bit like, have you seen that man who shouts random people's names out? In like yes. public. That's what it reminded me of, you know, Melissa. Um, and that's kind of what reminded me of. Like, you've done his facial expression perfect. By the way. <laughs> Melanie. <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> Mick finally tells Frankie the truth he tells Frankie the one thing that she's been dying to hear that 
they all related that he is her dad. Like, he says it, and then he says the best thing ever, that he's rubbish in a lot of things. He's a rubbish businessman. He's not much cop as a husband or a son. But the one thing he's really good at is being a dad. And I was like, it is so true, Mick. You are, like, the perfect dad to have. This bit, honestly, I was now crying. I, I'm so, like, invested in this soap. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, so beautiful. I was like, Ross, that's my fiance. Ross, pass, pass the shoes. Because it was like, Frankie gives them the card, the birthday card, oh, doesn't show. Oh, I know, the one she stole off Ben because he was using the other one. Yeah, I did love that as well. <laughs> Bit of a cheap skate, so I love that. Love that. Yeah. And she goes, happy birthday, Dad. It's like, oh. And then what's brilliant is that he opens it and it's a NAF card, bless her. NAF card, really cheap, really bad. But do you know what? It is the thought that counts and he just hugs her. And it's so lush. I was literally like, get her t- tissues now. <laughs> oh, no. I'm, I'm quite liking her as a carter. I am too. I'm, I mean, if we're right about Stuart, I will be devastated because I do, I do love her as a carter. Yeah, like, she actually fit in so naturally. And like, and so we're then... Next day it's Mick's birthday and Linda invites her around and she does the whole welcome in sign language. I was like, oh, I just love it. Linda's just so wanting us like a new like stepdaughter and oh, oh and I Frankie's know. just like a, oh, it's just it warms my heart. My favorite thing was that Mick has like a little meat pie party with her, doesn't he? Oh. So I went down the shop and got some meat pies. My Nancy could eat seven of these. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> like jesus nancy seven <laughs> seven pies in one sitting <laughs> That's how a... big are the pies i'm like thinking they're proper yeah. plated pies but even if they're those wrong? let's be honest even if they're those like pies like not too small like the medium yeah, size. Yeah. yeah like I love, love how pointers if people can say like those ones <laughs> <laughs> they're like little pies but they're also like they're not the little little pies they're the medium sized pies yes medium so they're not little they're medium <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 like, the medium-sized pies i don't know how to describe them how is she eating how is seven she eating those unless they're the really really little ones but how would you make a meal out of the really like little ones, tiny ones. <laughs> so they clearly weren't the little little ones that you get in the supermarket yeah not. i need got i be... need some answers <laughs> we need to investigate the pie situation um i want to know how big are these pies how many could Nancy fit in her mouth at one time? How much was she eaten? Um, I we should want... do that chubby bunny challenge, but with pies. <laughs> <laughs> I love it as well because they love to throw these little moments in about food etiquette, don't they, any standards? We've noticed that. And Frankie's offered sauce, and she mm. says she'll have not one, but both. Now, someone on Twitter... Please let me know if it was you. Shout out to you because this, I was like, oh my God. There was a scene months ago about sauces and Stuart says the only way to have them is with both. And that's exactly what she says. Oh my God. Oh my God. I didn't even clock that. 
<gasps> Never did I until someone put the clip on. So if it was you, oh my shout god, out whoever it is, do get in touch. Let me know. That is that's some good sleuthing. Well done, Nancy Drews out there. Flipping heck. <laughs> I know. I love it. Twitter's like we're all like private investigators of EastEnders. Yeah, we are like <laughs> the FBI of EastEnders. Like it's so is. I love it. But they do talk about that in quite detail as well. So I wonder because I mean that is disgusting too. Oh, brown and red sauce. That's no, I... And on a pie because it's that pie got gravy. Oh, if it's like a gravy pie, like. You can't have ketchup and gravy. I'm sorry. You can't. Oh, no. No. Who was the other one who liked the sauce on their gravy? Isaac. Isaac and Lola, they had disgusting tastes and stuff. Yeah. Nah. Isaac used to have um, tomato ketchup on a Sunday dinner. That was it. I knew. I knew it was him. Absolutely revolt. Nope. I'll never forget that. That's scarred into my flipping memory, that. Never look at that man again without thinking that. (laughs) Such a shame. Such a shame. I just look at him and think, you've let me down. <laughs> that attractive and with that foul, foul taste in food. Nah, never going to work. So they are just basically having a lovely time, aren't they? They, they? As we said, the sauces are going down a treat because turns out Mick and Frankie and apparently also Stuart all have both sauces on their food. They get chatting about a family, like a, a brothers and a, a sister. And it's really, really sweet. It kind of made me, I know I always say this, like bring back someone, but like, kind of made me want the Carters back. Like, you know, the Carter kids. I kind of just want a return of that. So that there's more of a family structure mm-hmm. around the Carters again. I miss having that kind of like the rowdy family canon or like sorry go and read Johnny going like mad um and you did like, earlier you were like Dean 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 and Gannon <laughs> up the tune <laughs> I just kind of miss them all interacting I feel like it would be nice for Frankie if she is mixed to have that yeah I would like to see the family like introduced back in yeah, because I think oh, you see the family dynamic and they, the, um, Frankie fitting in, it would be really interesting. And I do think they might bring Lee back because obviously he keeps popping up. That I, do I think... like Lee as the character as well. I feel like he left a little bit too soon for his story arc. Yeah, I feel like there was a, there wasn't enough story for him. I can understand it was a very busy year, so like <laughs> there was lots of other things going on when he left. Duh. This week's slapping Dan goes to Ash. This woman is close to my hatred of Moby and Ruby. Literally, she was so mean and horrible to Ikra the last few weeks that I thought, nah, she can't get any worse than this. Oh, well, this week she's just whipped it out of the bag with her delusional denial and refusal to take any level of accountability for any of her actions i mean she so literally the... split up with ikra and then just went straight out with peter oh yeah she's partying partying straight after nasty piece of work that one our hero again heroes that's three weeks in a row flipping heck i know what we've got mick and linda Yay, Melinda! 
They're back and their acceptance of Frankie was just lush. Oh, I said I was like nearly crying watching the Frankie oh, and Mixie. It was that and then the Linda bit. It was just so sweet. Precious family. But still, oh. I was like, oh, oh Linda, you're back. Duh, 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 As Melinda, our, our hero, well, heroes of the week, we will be rating out of Melinda's and we are giving this week. 3.5 Melinda's. Now, it's not lower because it was necessarily bad. I just wanted more. I feel like the Ash and Icarus stuff, I know you will agree, it was all right. Yeah. Didn't do a lot more, though. Like no. I felt like we kind of flitted back and forth and her moments with Suki could have been a little bit longer, a little bit more meaningful. And just... There was, like, no development almost of any of the characters. Maybe Ikra was the most developed out of all the people involved in that story. Hmm. Um, but it just wasn't that interesting. It felt like and, it happened and then just stopped. Yes, that's exactly it. And it's the same with, like, the Billy and Honey stuff. Like, hmm. that was very, like, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, and not in a kind of cohesive way. Like, yes, it's a soap where you see lots of different stories going on at the same time. But normally... There's a flow to it, and it's not just like, it's not like jump cuts. And I felt like I was simply like getting jump cuts from scene to scene. That being said, there were lots of positives this week that keep it up to a three point five, such as Sharon's storyline, the comedy of like Ian's poisoning and everything, mixed with the actual drama was just fantastic. And also her rescuing him and like mm. finally coming to our senses. It's like we said, this isn't in Sharon's nature to be this hateful no and i think um adam woodyard and letitia dean were fab on uh, on friday as well so they definitely bring the points up yeah they absolutely do bring the points up now it's time to play pick your poison it's basically a game that i invented for emma because well we've basically just watched ian be poisoned slowly for months now so i thought Let's make a game of it. It's a bit of a sudden death kind of game, Emma. So I'm going to give you a range of items that you can either eat or drink, prepared for by people on the square and in certain locations. You can ask me questions about these things, and then you get to decide which one you get. You want to eat or drink. Get the wrong one, you're poisoned. <laughs> get the right one, well, you just get a nice meal. <laughs> Oh, it's like a dangerous version of I'm a Celeb. It is, yeah. It's like a push took a trial, but you'll die if you eat it. <laughs> so you get three, you get to ask three questions, probing questions about each item, okay? Okay. And there are five items. Right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go then, Emma. So item number one is a freshly made cup of tea. Item number two is a glass of champagne. Item number three is a bowl of sausage surprise. Item number four is an Americano, large. <laughs> and the final item, item number five, is a glass of non-alcoholic wine. Okay. So was the, the tea made in the Vic... It was. 
so we won't be having that. Okay. <laughs> that's enough for me. Just that one that's question. That, you just need that one question? That's okay. sorted. So the sausage surprise, mm-hmm. has Kush been anywhere near it with Shirley, maybe? I can tell you he hasn't. Okay. The mortar and pestle is still underneath the the cutlery and stuff in a drawer. No one's been putting any pills and that's us a surprise. Okay, just checking. Did Jean make it? She did. I just want to double check. Did Sharon make the cup of tea in the Vic? Yes, she did. She yes. did, right, yeah. Definitely to know from me. <laughs> uh, I'm assuming uh, Suki bought the large Americano. Yes. Right, I don't know if I trust that then. It was made with love. It was made with love. I guess if Peter's selling it on that other stall. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the non-alcoholic drink that was from Ruby's. It was from Martin to Ruby. Yes, yeah, so from, from her yeah. house. What was number two again? Number two was a glass of champagne. Ah, yes. Now, now who poured me that? A staff member at Ruby's bar. Well, probably not then. <laughs> <laughs> They're all very suspicious to me. <laughs> now, no, I, I, I trust that Martin Fowler would be all right, actually. So I would probably take the non-alcoholic drink. Well, I can tell you, you were right to take the non-alcoholic drink because it's non-harmful. One of the non-harmfuls down, Emma. If you get all of the non-harmfuls, you win. Uh, the Americano. Correct. It's non-harmful. It's just Suki's way of saying thank you. The sausage surprise. Correct. There you go. You've got all three. All three of the safe options you have ingested and you are still here. Would you like me to tell you what the other items were? Yes. So the freshly, freshly made cup of tea was prepared for Ian by Sharon with her mortar and pestle. There was no and, chance I was touching that. Yeah, I think we all would stay away from Sharon's tea at the minute. <laughs> but there was a sneaky one in there, Emma, that you were very clever to avoid. And that was mm-hmm. a glass of champagne at Ruby's because Ruby had left a little treat in it just for Stacey to eliminate the competition. So congratulations, Emma. You, for your prize, get to go home Without being poisoned by Sharon or Ruby. This week's episode is sponsored by Will's Weekly Collections. Do you have some unwanted stuff that belong to a beloved, beloved member of your family? Perhaps you really love to cling on to all those clothes and shirts. Well, don't you worry, because Will's Weekly Collection Service will come round and take it all. We'll take the lot off your hands and sell it for a dime. Hope you enjoyed the fireworks. Good night.